Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Introducing today's guest, Dominic. Dominic is a cybersecurity specialist, and if you're anything like me, you're a little cyber challenge. So he's here today to tell us all about it. Dominic, welcome. Hey, how are you? I'm, I'm doing fantastic today. I must be honest, I am not familiar with the concept of cybersecurity. Can you break that down for me? <laughs> well, today we live in a digital economy, especially right now during the COVID situation. Pretty much every business that they want to survive has to have become virtual. And when you go online, when you become digital or virtual, there are risks or cyber risks that go along with that. I work with small and mid-sized businesses to make sure that they cover their cyber assets, for lack of a better term. The only thing that I can imagine that needs securing is people hacking your password, social media, or blocking spam, things like that. Let me break that down a bit further. You've heard the saying that oil was very much the gold of the 20th century. Data is the oil gold of the 21st century century. Every organization, you know, the most important organizations, they're all driven by data. Data is very much a commodity. And as such, cyber criminals want to be able to pilfer that data, steal that data, hold it for a ransom because they know there's incredible value behind it. For every organization, data is the most important asset that your organization has. You need to make sure that you take sufficient steps to protect that data. Just having that data stored on someone's laptop or on some server, which is running under your dad's desk, perhaps that's not taking a sufficient step to make sure it's protected. Have you ever come across anything personally questionable during monitoring? One of the things which I will share from my corporate days, I was a security analyst for several organizations. As part of my day-to-day, -day, I would monitor the different internal security systems just to make sure there was nothing fishy going on. One day I noticed that there was a high-level person and I saw some funny activity happening on the machine and I looked further into his. And as I dug a bit deeper, I saw that he was using Ashley Madison. And I didn't think anything about it. Have you ever been asked to spy on employees' personal lives and habits by their managers? Yeah, I think it can be a very hot topic. A lot of organizations where I used to work internally, you know, units like HR wanted to be constantly tracking the staff. But on the security and privacy side of things, we had to say, well, there's a fine line there. If we're going to be monitoring our employees, there needs to be clear guidelines and policies in terms of what we are monitoring what we're looking at, informing people like HR, informing other executives who know very little about security or privacy ramifications. My moral behind that, you know what, if you're the type of person who wants to track your employees to the nth degree, your company is going to go under. You're a crappy person to work for. A hundred percent. Have you ever been asked after an employee has left a company to delve into their information? Yes. I worked in the financial services industry for a long time and being on the security team there, I was privy to, let's say, dismissals even before a person who was getting dismissed even know, knew about it. There have been some interesting cases there. One that sticks in my mind was someone who had no idea that it was coming and I showed up and someone had told me that HR had already had the conversation with him. And I went and said, oh, I'm here to take your laptop. He said, why? And I said, because you're leaving. <laughs> he said, what? And I was like, I'm going to be right back. <laughs> I'm someone who firmly believes that I know what my role is and I'm going to stay within my lane. It was not my job to tell him that he was no longer needed at the organization. It's a little bit different now in which I'm not so much boots on the ground. Now being an advisor, I'm generally working with the business owner or CEO, CFO. I'm making sure that they're the right processes in place 
to make sure that that stuff doesn't fall between the cracks. What other mishaps have happened? One of the things which many of my corporate roles I was responsible for was passing along the information in terms of here's what the current cybersecurity stature looks like within our organization. And I would pass that on to my boss or my boss's boss. For most organizations I worked at, cybersecurity wasn't in great shape. And then one day I stumbled across a stats report, which was, was all greens. I thought, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I looked at it. I said, well, I remember that quarter. And let me pull up my stats report from that. And I looked at it and it was completely opposite. And I thought, well, that doesn't make sense. I'm not sure if there was a miscommunication or something, but one of the most recent status updates here, you're showing everything to the board as being good when I'm telling you it's not. What's going on? He said, well, you got to be careful with the board. You know, they're they're very skittish and you know, we, we can't scare them. We need to sugarcoat things. I said, well, there's sugarcoating and then there's downright lying. This moment was pretty much the beginning of the end for me in corporate. I realized that I could no longer tolerate being in a corporate setting. To this day, I always share that story because it reminds me of the, you remember the children's game telephone? Every time I would say something about the current state of security in the organization, it would go up through a couple runs of leadership. And by the time it got to the top, it came out as purple monkey dishwasher. That made me lose faith in, in very much corporate structure and why today as an entrepreneur, I exclusively focus on small and mid-sized businesses. That game of telephone that you just mentioned remind me of how parenting goes sometimes. <laughs> so true. Like when your kids do something nuts and you tell your spouse versus your kids telling your spouse and it's a completely different incident. Since with my daughter and my two-year-old son, it's exactly like that. We're not even speaking the same language, apparently. Oh my gosh. I really want to know more about you, your wife, your business. There's a lot to share. You know, I'm going to start off with the entrepreneurial journey. I'm going to go back time in terms of how I've changed as a person. In late grade 11, I knew I wanted to do something with technology, but I didn't know specifically what. My dad, who's since retired, was a computer science teacher at a Catholic high school, and he would always get all these free computer magazines, literally a huge stack, and say, just look through these. I'm sure there's something you'll find that you'll like. Being the weird teenager that I was, those were the types of magazines I liked looking at. One day, I came across this magazine that said information security. And I thought, what the hell? is information security. I read it cover to cover. I looked at it and I thought, shit, that's really interesting. Yes, this is what I wanted to do. So I went to university, got my degree in comp sci and computer science. And oddly enough, the word cybersecurity was only mentioned once in my four-year degree. And I was a person who said it <laughs> as, a, as a question. And so a lot of what I learned about cybersecurity was through self-study. I feel very fortunate that from my entire career, all I've done is cybersecurity. So my first role out of university, I was a security administrator and I loved it. Starting off my career, I thought, you know what, I want to be in a high leadership position within 10 years. And I did. I was like, wow, this sucks. I lost my sense of purpose. I lost my sense of passion. My wife said, you know what, you're more cynical. You're more jaded than usual. I quit. My wife to this day still doesn't know that I quit. That was five years ago. Over the past five years, I've gone through this self-discovery journey. That is such an amazing story. And you know, I also once took a job that I hated. And one day I went out for a smoke break and never came back. I came across several quotes, which I never seen before. One was, don't push loyal people to the point of no longer caring. And I remember seeing that, and this is probably in my final few months. And I thought to myself, you know, I've always been someone who put the organization first. I'm now someone who no longer cares. I no longer care about doing my job. What is your definition of passion? For me, passion comes uh, down to when you get up in the morning, do you feel in your heart that there's a reason for getting out of bed? I'm passionate about knowing that I get to focus on 
around branding, knowing that I get to speak with awesome people, connect with awesome people like you, try and make the world a better place. Do you have any passion projects outside of work? One of my pet projects pre-COVID had been trying to become more of a public speaker. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I always love making people laugh. That's what I get to do with my clients. This to me is a great life to be living. I'm very humble and blessed to be able to do it. What are some misconceptions of cybersecurity? There's a couple that I'll hit on. The first one is that people say, oh, we have an IT guy who handles that. Or, you know, we have insurance. That'll take care of that. The World Economic Forum has consistently said cyber risk is one of the top three organizational risks facing organizations globally. It's a business risk. Cyber risk is an existential threat. What are some things that these small businesses can do? It comes down to a few things. One is there's that need to make sure that as a CEO, business owner, CFO, whatever, that you are making sure that you're providing the right oversight and guidance. At the end of the day, especially in areas like the U.S. where there's a lot of litigation, you get breached, people will sue your ass. You need to make sure that you're able to demonstrate what's referred to as legally defensible or reasonable security. Either have an internal security team or leverage a third-party provider or advisor, you know, like us, and have someone validate and work with your IT provider, with your IT team, to make sure that there is a structured approach to how cybersecurity is rolled out. No different than how an organization deals with financial risk, operational risk, personnel risk, cyber risk is treated just like any of those risks. What would you say to someone that's interested in a career in cybersecurity? Cybersecurity is sharing about what an incredible field it is, trying to break the myths. Cool thing with cybersecurity is that it has become a hyper-specialized space. Cybersecurity is super specialized. It has job security and is one of the few pandemic-proof <laughs> fields as well. It is a fantastic field to get into. For anyone that are listening and are watching and want to learn more, tell them to reach out to me. I'm happy to share with them my thoughts. Like I said, I love being able to bring new blood into the industry. I know someone who just graduated with an engineering degree and is now at the crossroads of what he wants to get into. I think it's the place to be. And for at least the next 20 years, so many analysts are saying that there's a shortage. There's so many organizations that are hiring and there's just not enough people who are willing to put their name forward. Because again, there are these myths that I have to be a hacker, I have to be a techie. Again, if you're passionate, if you're curious, if you're analytical. I have seen your branding and marketing across social media and it's just wow. I learned this early on was that the majority of people in cybersecurity act generally come up through the IT ranks. And they tend to be very technical people. And again, this myth does hold true. The majority of IT people are really crappy communicators. That's where I quickly realized that I decided to tap into a skill set, which thankfully I've had all along. For me to be able to differentiate between our company and what our competitors do, like I said, using platforms like LinkedIn to demonstrate that we're not tech talkers. We're not a bunch of geeks. And we are going to talk to you at face value. We are going to be genuine, authentic people. I am going to swear. I'm going to make you laugh. We're going to talk business. You know, if you want some polished suit who drives a BMW, we're not the guys for you. But if you want real people who are relentlessly authentic, are genuine, and love sharing our narrative, I have learned over the past few years that there's an incredible following for that on LinkedIn. And like I said, very humble and very blessed with the incredible community we've been able to build the past few years. How have you honed your communication skills? One is that I've always been a prolific reader. Up until the point when I, we had kids, I was pretty much reading two or three books a week. Reading very much unlocked a lot of magic. Another area is that in middle school, I learned that I really like to do improv, thinking on my feet. Over the course of my career, there was actually a watershed moment when cybersecurity started being carried by mainstream media. Okay, I have one more question. Do you finish a book before picking up another one? I have, not, I have never been asked that question. That is such a good question. I always finish them through to completion. So what's your favorite book? There's two series that I love reading. One of them goes back to when I was a child, was the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan series. But the one which I really love more 
more so now, is the Jack Reacher series by uh, Lee Child. Those are just crazy thriller books. I generally will read those in one sitting. Who's your favorite sports star? I'm someone who loves the NBA. I love the NFL. I'm obsessed with fantasy football. I love LeBron. LeBron is just, he's a beast. As a small business owner, I'm sure you get turned down a fair amount. What do you do from there? There's two things that I do on on that regards. The first one is when I get a no, I follow what's referred to as the three whys. So I ask why three times. Often the no comes down to maybe not enough information or a miscommunication. So I have found that by using the three whys, I can truly verify and validate that no is actually a no. Sometimes I'll go through the three no's and it's still a no, and that's fine. I can go to bed knowing that I'm 100% certain that we weren't the right fit. Please let people know how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. LinkedIn is probably one of the best places to reach me. Dominic Vogel, please feel free to reach out to me. I am maxed out on connections, but if you send me a message when you reach out, I'll definitely make some room to connect with you. You can email me, dvogel at cyber.sc, like Santa Claus, or even just go to our company website, cyber.sc. Yay! Rio, that was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh boy, let's go to Grandpa. Well, we just heard from Dominic, and uh, he's in a very interesting business. Cybersecurity today is probably needed more than any time in our history. This type of work gave him a way to evolve and some of obviously the teachings of his father, I think, are, are, are in his analysis. To finish what you're reading, read it thoroughly. Before he goes on to reading something else, he makes sure that he understands everything. When he goes to deal with people in business, he's also very thorough. What's interesting also is that my father wanted to be in show business. He's a really was a terrific salesman. And sometimes you can be in business and put a little humor in it, put a little bit down to earth in it, and be able to, uh, I mean, he used to laugh at himself as well as others. Dominic seems to be doing the same thing where he's really enjoys the work that he's doing and has fun with it. A very interesting concept uh, that I want to discuss is loyalty. When you're working day and night for an organization, when certain people that work for you, or if you're working for someone, you find that the product or the person or the company doesn't really show a real respect for that loyalty. It's very tough for people who are really passionate about what they do to be able to continue to do it. And when that happens, it's time to move on. And I agree with that. Our cyber networks are something that we rely on every day for our businesses and personally. Do you know how vulnerable you are? If you don't, it's probably something you should look into. I want to tell you about UMAP, a program that shows people who they are and how they'll be most successful. Not only did it win the 2020 Career Innovators Award from Career Directors International, but 100% of UMAP certified coaches recommend the program. Let's hear from today's coach, Lori Knudsen. It was just a natural yes when it became available. I'm like, I want to do this. And I was one of the first ones to go through the UMAP certification because I just really saw the impact it had for me. I fully endorse this tool and certification program. So check out myumap.com. That's M-Y-Y-O-U-M-A-P.com. Holistic, intuitive, and actionable. Now 
you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Yeah.